Turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. We'll begin reading at verse number 3. I'll read out loud. If you'll read along with me silently, we'll do it that way, as is our custom here at the Anchor Baptist Church. We're going to talk about these things, of course, as we have been for the past few weeks and uh, try to catch up a little bit, and then we want to talk to you tonight about knowledge, not what you think. So uh, let's read this. According, starting verse number three, I'll read out loud. You read along with me. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to the glory, to to called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these things ye might be partakers of the divine nature, and having escaped the corruption that is in the world through the lusts. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Verse 13. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up in putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly... I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Father, thank you for the Bible. Lord, if we are to take your word from Zion, from your seat, your throne in Jerusalem, to your kingdom throughout the world during the millennial reign, I would dare say that what we think is our deep understanding of the Bible isn't even scratching the surface. If for a thousand years we shall learn from you and take your word throughout all of the world, there is no way we have a good grip on it yet. But I do pray that the truths we have learned, as shallow as they may be, may they be truth. May they be built on that which is right. Let me help your people tonight. Thank you so much for the Bible and for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice we talked about in verse number 8, verse number, I'm sorry, verse 8, 9, 10, 12, and 15, these things. So it's not just a, I pulled something out and thought it was a cute verse or a phrase. Uh, this repetitiveness, when God repeats something in the Bible, it's pretty important. And we need to pay attention to it. And so we find out here these things are the keys to probably the greatest promises in the Bible next to salvation and eternal life. Now, I know that is kind of uh, subjective. It's all according uh, who is talking at the time as to whether you say that or not. Uh, you, you 
could say it's the love of God, you whatever. But I am saying, simply saying, uh, these promises, uh, they're huge. They're, they're big league promises that, he, that we have talked about. These tremendous promises that we talked about, there are six of them. One of them, always be useful. In verse number eight said, neither be barren. Neither be barren. To be useful. If you're a Christian and you want to live for the Lord, you want to be useful. Now, it takes time getting started. When you get born again, uh, you feel like you're a, uh, a third person on a date, you know, and uh, there you are. What are you supposed to do? What do you say? How do you fit in? It's just the way that it is. And new Christians a lot of times feel clumsy, especially as they get saved older in life. Yeah, but I'm this old and I should know this. No, you're a babe in Christ and start off just like everybody else does. And so here he said, always be useful. Never be barren. Uh, what a blessing that that is, what a promise that is. And then in verse number 8, have what kind of success? Good success, not just success. Success can be defined almost by anybody. But when the Bible talks about good success, it's talking about how God views success, not what the world claims as success. Even we are Christians are getting caught up in that as what we think success is, what the world says success is, how they recognize what success is. But we want good success, uh, like uh, like the Lord told Joshua, if you don't go to the right, you don't go to the left, and you do like I told Moses, you shall have good success. Now, you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be strong now. You're going to face some things, but you're just going to have to stay at it. And God said, you shall have good success. In verse number 8, it said, nor be unfruitful. And then the third promise, you'll see perfectly the will of God for your life. You go down to verse number 9, and it said, if you lack these things, you cannot see afar off. And again, it's amazing to me that I talk to so many people, they, they can't see hardly to their feet on what they're supposed to do next or how they're supposed to go about it. And it's not just they're illiterate of the Bible. They just can't see it. Even if it's explained to them, they cannot see it. But here the Bible said, if these things be in you, you'll be able to see that. For your life, you'll be able to see the will of God clearly. Now, I'm not against counseling at all. I think at times it's way overrated. We, 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 won't, we won't buy a car without counsel. We won't breathe without counsel. Not sure if we should have kids without counseling. Shouldn't have this without counseling. What did people do when they didn't have a counselor? Now, if we're not careful, we bypass God, we bypass prayer, and go right to the preacher or somebody else for advice. I'm not against advice, but I th let's keep our priorities. Let's go to God first. Let's go to his word first, and let's see what God can teach us and see if that won't work a little bit. Then number four, he said, shall never fall. Now, I've said before, that in itself is so inviting to me. Shall never fall. Really? Are you kidding me, preacher? Everybody falls sooner or later. Well, I don't think that's really what he's talking about, ultimately falling and never rising up again. For if it does, it contraries to the Bible. Because the Bible said, a just man falleth seven times, yet riseth up again. So that can't be what that's saying. I think what he's talking about here, I'm getting ready to change, okay? I think what he's saying here is become a castaway, shipwreck, can't float anymore, can't sail anymore. It's all over with. I think what he's saying here is a total loss of testimony. You actually become that sermon uh, illustration in the preacher's message that uh, if you were there, you'd hang your head and go, oh, no, that can't be right. Uh, this is what Paul worried about also, but Paul wasn't a castaway. He worried about it. He knew it was possible, but he wasn't. He actually fought a good fight clear to the end. Now, if Paul can do that and go through everything he went through, why can't we? I don't think we're going about it right. I think these things were in Paul. And they're not in us, and that's where we're struggling. And then number six, uh, uh, number five, in verse number 11, he said, always have a measure of eternal happiness. I, I think what he's talking about there, real happiness comes from eternal things. 
Real happiness comes from that side of things to us. And you can go through this life and just like these dear people we talked about tonight, Shelly Hamilton, they were showing, my wife was telling me uh, on what, Facebook, is that what's called? Uh, that uh, she was actually lying in the bed next to her husband uh, when he was real close to death and just enjoying those last moments being with him. Now, you may think that's weird. She didn't think it was weird at all. I don't think it's weird at all. My wife uh, was laying next to her mommy or close to her when she passed away. People do that. And it's not like, oh, no, don't leave me. Oh, no, no, no. It was like, uh, let me spend the last alive moments with a person that loves me and I love them. And that's, that's the way we ought to be able to face things with real happiness from the eternal side of things. And then number six, never change from present truth. And, boy, that's lacking today, isn't it? Everybody's changing from present truth. This is present truth. Same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When we begin to change this, I don't care what excuse you have. I don't care what you talk about life. Talked about somebody the other day that simply said, yeah, but things have changed. Like that should change me. It, it shouldn't change you. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, and we follow right along with their pattern of argument. Don't do that. You stick by the Bible and you're going to be okay. And so these six things, some of the biggest promises that you'll find in the Bible, I just basically ran over just now and said, look at those. And yet we come to other than salvation, maybe eternal security and that kind of stuff, going to heaven. And yet you find out here that God said, you can have them. These are yours. But you're not getting them just because you ask for them. You're not getting them just because you pray. He actually tells us, here's the item. You want it? Here's the instructions. Here's the chicken. Here's the ingredients. Here's grandma's biscuits. Here's the way you go about getting them. It's just the way that it is. And God said, let me tell you something right now. These are six big promises. You want them? These things that we're going to talk about right here. Eight if you count faith. If you count faith. Now, the reason we don't, I don't count faith is because it has to start with faith. And everything is added to faith. And without faith, you can't please God. So we just barely talked about faith. I think it was last week we hit on that a little bit and then went on to virtue. And now tonight we're going to talk about knowledge. And yet go down to verse number five. Verse number five, these things, let's just review here real quick. And besides this, giving all diligence, that we talked about that, right? Talked about diligence. Add to your faith. Add to, so it has to start with faith. You can't add to something that's not there. So you not only have to be saved, but everything you do from there on out has to be according to faith. There's saving faith, there's living faith. All right? Faith is not something you have, it's something you do. Faith is not something you talk about. Faith is something that is proven. It has substance to it, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Then he says this, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to add to, add to, add to. You can't skip these. They have to be in order. You know, we talked about that, right? And patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. If a man have these things, and they have to be in you and abounding, we found out they have to be in the right order. You have to add this one, then this one, then this one, then this one, not this one, and maybe that one. I think I have a little bit of that one. You can't do it that way. I think they're in an order, and if you read in context, they have to be added one to the other in this order in order to get these great promises. Now, remember also there are several prerequisite things. We talked about that. You have to be diligent. Remember what that means? Now, look, you don't have all your life to do this. God said this is very important stuff. Now, so let's get with the program. These are big promises. You've got all your life to do this, but you've got to go about it right. So let's hurry and get them down. Let's add them to our lives, but let's do it as quickly as we can do it right. 
okay? You got to do it right. You got to do it in order. Got to do it the way he said. But don't act like, well, I got all my life to learn this. No, you don't. He said, hurry up. So diligence means to hurry and do it right. Don't, 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 don't go at it so fast that you can't really get it down the way God said. There's no short. In our life, we always want shortcuts. Okay, that's why we like our cell phones so much, and we like Google. I don't have to get out a book. I don't have to study. I don't have to research. There it is. And as soon as you blank the screen, you don't remember it anymore. The Bible said in the last days, knowledge shall be increased. Just knowledge. Just stuff. Lots of knowledge. Lots of stuff. We don't even know what to do with it. There's more knowledge on your phone right now than you could ever possibly conceive to use, and you want something even faster, don't you? You want that next phone coming out. And if I don't have a phone, I want my watch. I don't have a watch, I want my ring. I don't have my ring, I want my necklace, right? I, I, want, I want it always available to me, more and more knowledge. And you do understand, I've told you before, this is what Eve fell for, her walk with God, her relationship with God for more knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is what all knowledge is, either good or it's evil, okay? And so then he said, and add to your faith. In other words, bring up alongside, I have faith, I have trusted in God, I'm saved, and now I want to live the way God wants me to, and God said, okay, you're on the right path, now I want you to add this to it. Bring it up alongside. Bring virtue up alongside. Virtue is not like what went out of Christ when the woman was healed, when she touched his body. That was power. This is talking about a masculine, when I say masculine, it's, it's normally associated with a man because it has to do with doing things right, working hard, these kinds of things, but it applies to all Christian people. Doing things right, quality type of work. Uh, when the Bible said, let us not grow weary in well-doing, it's actually saying, don't grow weary in doing all things well. All things. It doesn't make any difference what it is. If you're working laying carpet, mowing a grass, uh, painting a house, going out soul running, running a bus route, and, and say, well, this is all I ever do. Okay, well, don't grow weary in doing things well. Don't just run through the motions because if you do, I'm sorry, this is not yours. You cannot have this. There's a thing that you have to learn. how. It's a quality of manhood that says, I give it my all. I, I, do, I do it well. Whatever I do, I give it my all. I do it the best I know how, and I don't quit until it's completed. That's a great quality to have, and this is what he's talking about here uh, in this. Now, I want to talk to you tonight about knowledge. Go down to verse 5. That was all introduction. Verse number 5 says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue. So I have faith. I'm saved. I'm living to, uh, by, according to God's word, the way he wants me to. I'm headed in the right direction. And now God said, that's wonderful. Now, now with your faith, I want you to add virtue to that. Bring it up alongside you. Add to it. Like Brother uh, Usher used to add block. Put your first layer down, and they said, okay, now that we got the first one down, let's add a second. We don't add a third one or a fourth layer. You add the second layer. It, it has to be that way, or it's not going to work. Same thing here. You cannot skip. Well, I think I'm very patient, or I think I have a lot of virtue. Look, it has to be God's way. First of all, if you're not saved, none of this belongs to you. None of it belongs to you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have to be saved, and now you have to be, all I want to do is live, and I need to be diligent about it. I need to live the way God wants me to, and whatever he says, I'm going to do. Good. I'm saved by faith, and now I'm trying to live by faith. And God said, okay, bring virtue up alongside you. Then he said, now you add to virtue. You don't add to faith. Add to virtue. But I do it by faith. Does that make sense? Knowledge. Now, you may want to write this down because uh, I, I'm not... I, you can learn the Bible without knowing Greek and Hebrew. You can. Because I dare say that there's not too many people in here, if anybody, that knows Greek or Hebrew. 
if you read the Bible enough in context, it will tell you what it's trying to say. However, our English language many times is greatly lacking in definition, which would help you. Now, if you continue to read and continue to read, you go like this, wait a minute, that knowledge and that knowledge, it's the same word, but it sounds like it's applied differently. Exactly right. You didn't even know Greek and Hebrew. But it may help. So I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to give you two Greek words tonight and make myself look very, very intelligent. And I want you to write this down, if you would, please. We have two Greek words for our word knowledge. You ready? The first one is called gnosko. G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Gnosko. Okay? You can look it up. It's in there. Some of you already are on your phone anyway. So there we go. The second one is oida. O-I-D-A. And the vowels are all short. Okay? That means they're only about that big. Now, gnosko definition, now this is going to be very important. Gnosko definition means learning, I-N-G, learning, a process. Learning, not learning a process, but learning, and it's a process. Okay? Oida, O-I-D-A, means this, learned, E-D. So one is learning, and it's a process. The other one is, if you would, have learned or learned. Okay? Now, what does this got to do? Well, if I'm going to get these great, precious promises, i got to make sure I get these things, and I want to make sure I have the right kind of knowledge God said I need to have, because I don't want to miss out on the front by misunderstanding a word he's talking about here. So I want to make sure that I have the right kind of knowledge he's talking about. Example, I'm learning to build and mature a church. This is gnosko. I'm learning. I'm learning. I don't know it all. I don't have it all down. I don't have every base covered. I'm learning. So if you, I know I still have a lot to learn. That is gnosko, learning, not learned. Learn, now, there's some things I've learned, but that's not the end of it. I'm still learning. You follow me? Got the difference? Okay. So this is gnosko. I, I have learned troubles and blessings always are a part of that. I have learned that, but that's not the end of my learning. Okay. You, you see that? Okay. One, that's knowledge. I'm adding. The other one is known, something I added and I'm done. So the other one is oida. In other words, I have learned. I already know. I know that. You follow me? Okay, this may all sound Greek to you, but listen to me very carefully. Two plus two is four. Oida. Okay? I know that. Established fact. I'm not still learning that. I know that. But if that's where you stop... Uh, that's not a whole lot of knowledge, okay? So the Lord is trying to point this out. Gnosko almost always is talking about a learning, a process that you have to go by. Oida is learned, have already learned. Go to Second Peter chapter number uh, 1, look at verse 5, and watch what he says. In this verse, he says this, so that I can have these great promises, these things. So I want to know, I, it says knowledge. What kind of knowledge is God talking about? Is he talking about stuff I already know? Or is he talking about stuff I should always be learning and knowing? What's he talking about? I need to know them because I want the promises. So I have to have these things. One of them is knowledge. Well, what knowledge is he talking about? Which one is he talking about? So this is kind of where we're at right now. So he says, add to your virtue. I'm sorry. Added to my virtue. Added to my faith is virtue. Added to my virtue is knowledge. Now, this is important. Let's figure it out. The word here in our text, 
this knowledge we're talking about is not oida. It's gnosko. Learning. Process. Okay? So for all the Christians who said, I know it all. I've got it down. I don't have to read anymore. I know what the church does. I know why it does this. I know God said, uh, okay, so you're oida. You've learned it. Nothing else to be learned. That's why I say all the time, fellas, pick up a book. Not just for exercise. Read. Got my exercise in today, preacher. Lift up my Bible, put it right back down. So what he's talking about here, the word here for us in this passage is gnosko. God is saying then, if you want these promises, you need to add this type of knowledge to your virtue. And that virtue to your faith. Then you must always be in the process of learning. Okay, now we're getting ready to define here a little bit. I'm always in the process of learning, not have already learned. Done. It is a process. God said, well, we'll talk more about that in a minute. So listen carefully. Usually, most of the time, 95% of the time or more, gnosko deals with learning and studying Not Bible, people. It may be in view of the Bible, but it's people. Let me define. Oida would be, our president's name is Biden. Know that. Done. Got it. Nothing else to learn. However, Oida, I'd have to say, I have learned this. I know that Gnosko would be this. I am learning about his choices. I'm learning about his cabinet. I'm learning about if anybody can, why he does what he does. And so uh, all of this, that would be gnosko. Both of those are knowledge, but one said, I know. The other said, I'm knowing, I'm learning. I'm in a process of understanding, of moving forward in my knowledge. Okay, what's important about this is what kind of knowledge is God talking about that I need to add to virtue that I've added to my faith? Very important because if I miss it, I'm not getting any of these promises. I'm not getting any of the promises. It's over with. So that's what we need to do. So I want you to go to John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter number 8. Be patient with me. I'm learning a new Bible today. John chapter number 8. It deals mostly with the process of learning people. Now you do know what we deal with here in our church, right? You stick around anchor, you'll learn deep stuff like this. In John chapter number 8, I want you to look at verse number 55. I'm going to try to explain to you a little more of this thing about knowledge here and know. Watch this. In John 8, 55, ye have not known him, gnosko. Jesus is saying, ye have not been learning of my father, but I know him, oida. I know him, know everything about him. Learned it all, got it down. Nothing else for me to learn. There is not a process of Jesus learning about the Father. He already knows that. But for us, here he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's simply saying, if you had known me, if you had learned about me, you would have known oida him. Again, we're talking about you receiving these promises. You've got to keep that in mind. This is not just a, 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 a definition study here. It's, it's more than that. Listen to me very carefully. I know all there is, Jesus said, about him. And if you would simply have been learning Gnosko about me, you would have learned about the Father because I know everything about him. Okay, go, go to John chapter 13. 
John chapter 13. Hopefully this will come a little more clear as we go forward. In John chapter number 13, look at verse number 7. Verse number 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou... There it is. No, knowest not. It's a, it's a form of knowledge. Knowest not. This is oida. In other words, he's saying to know finally. So he's saying, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now thou will finally know. But watch what he says. But thou shalt know hereafter. You'll learn. So we have two, same American word, same English word, know. What I do now you don't know, but you will know later. And we go, okay, no, no. But if you, if you, if you study the Bible, even in English, after a while you're going, wait a minute. That really means two different things, doesn't it? Yes, it does. One of it means a process of learning. The other one says, I already know that. I've learned that. Now, why is this important? Remember what we're after there in First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. We're after these great promises, but we have to have these things. And they have to be what God is talking about, not just what you think God is talking about. So what we have here is simply this. What I do now, you do not completely know, but thou shalt learn them hereafter. God is saying, you'll learn these. Right now, you don't. And yet, he uses no two times in that verse. Okay, follow me. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 7. He said, if you had known, there's our word again, if you had known me, it's a form of knowledge, if you had known me, gnosko, if ye had studied me, gotten to know me, learned of me, watch what he says, ye shall have known my father also, oida. So if you'd have simply understood me, listened to me, talked to me, that process of learning of me, when you learn me, you know him. I and my father are one, right? But in this verse, he uses know or knowledge two times. Same American word actually means two different things. Go back to 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5. In our text, the word knowledge here for us is gnosko. A constant process of learning, in particular about people, not just learning stuff. So you got to understand this. Remember what the ministry is. Jesus didn't come to save nature, though it will eventually be saved. Jesus didn't come to just feed people, though people are fed and God takes care of it. He came for people. His ministry was people. You understand that? And so because of that, he is interested. He wants to be a blessing to us, and he wants to use us. So here's what we find out here. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5, it's talking about learning about people. It is used in learning about God. The same word knowledge is used in learning about people. The same thing is used in learning about each other here in church. I'm not talking about being nosy. Different word altogether. Okay. Now, one of these is a process of constant learning about God. Question. I wonder where we could constantly learn more about God. Man, that would be tough. Where, where could we go to constantly learn more about God? Huh. I guess no matter where we're at, we could always constantly be learning. I already know that. I already know that. Well, evidently, a lot of people do because they never read their Bible. And that's why we misunderstand why God does what God does. When a person is in a problem, they'll ask me, preacher, what about this? And I'll tell them, I go, yeah, but that means like they never even heard it. Like it doesn't even matter. Like my reasoning 
trumps, excuse the expression, what the Bible has to say. Pun intended. Now, so, what he's talking about here, you must have these things in you and abound. And one of these things is a constant process of learning about God. A constant process of learning. And look, if you're not attending church regularly and reading your Bible, you're not in that process. Basically, what you're saying is, oida, got it down. Most people will reach a level and they're done studying. They're done learning. When we first get saved, it's like a child with a bottle or with his mommy. He just he, he always wants it. He just can't get it. Once he gets that taste, he can't get enough. But something happens and we get finicky as we get older. Well, most of us do. And we get finicky. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want to eat that. I we do the same thing with the Bible. This is why I challenge you. There's a reason why I say, let's all of us read our Bible through this year. Because sometimes a mom has to almost force feed a kid. Because if you don't, you'll faint. You'll grow weak. Almost force feed a kid. So here he's talking, one aspect is talking about a constant learning process and about people. And in particular, it's talking about God. Also, it's talking about people. It is used in relationship also with husbands and wives. You may want to say, now that I've got your attention, you may want to listen to this part. It amazes me, the same people who stood at an altar and said, I promise to have and to hold, for better or for worse, richer or for poorer, sickness and health, love to cherish, till death do us part, are the same people who will spew out such hatred and evil towards one another in front of a worldly judge. You say, yeah, preacher, what happened? You quit Gnosko. You see, when you first met him, you wanted to Gnosko. Boy, I need to learn more. And it was a process, right? You'd write letters, talk on the phone, text each other, whatever you guys do. And you're doing all this, and it was a process to get to know each other. You know what happens? After a while, we oida. I know what they like. I know what they don't like. I'm done with it. And so all of a sudden, things become very numb and ready. Dead. Nothing new is being added. There's no more process of getting to know and learn one another. Know and learn one another. Know and learn one another. We're done. But a lot of the counseling, I was talking to someone just recently, and they asked me, said, what do you think the biggest problem in marriages are? And they just stared at me, and I don't know this person well, and I said, before I even got it out, they started shaking their head, I said, community, and they were going like this. So question, how's the communication? Now, all the men sitting here right now, well, yeah, you go home, you don't talk. Now, I've got David who goes, like, we talk about everything. We get out our list, and, and we go down through our 34 uh, uh, <laughs> points of talk, and, and, uh, and then we kiss each other, and we go on a romance tour, and, and it's, it's just great. Now, anyway, I'm happy for you, David. Honestly, I really am, uh, I think. Now, what happened? No gnosko. No gnosko. One day you quit learning about the other one's feelings. Now listen to me now. It's not marriage conference. It should be. What aggravates the other? What angers the other? Now just think about it. When did, when did you stop learning about your partner? 
When, when did that happen? It's a process. And remember, this kind of knowledge is one specifically added to people. A constant process of learning concerning people. God, it could be your mate, people in general. So what happens here is you should study your mate constantly, always learning the process in their life and in your life. Uh, my wife is here, and uh, you've been married as long as I have. And here's what we say: been married as long as I have. You know each other. That's not true. You ever? Well, I was talking to somebody the other day. I went out to eat with. Um, Edith's husband, and uh, we were talking about things, and I said, well, that's not necessarily true. I said, do you ever go to a restaurant and see two old people, and they're just sitting there, but they're not paying attention to each other? You know what their excuse is? Yeah, we know each other, so well, we don't have to do that. I've watched some of you sit at the same table, and all you do is look at your phone. I guess you already know everything there is about each other, and there's nothing else to learn. It's a process. It's a process. I know you can giggle and laugh all you want to, but I know it's true. And God said, you want to get to know me? It is a constant process. It is a learning process. That's what you need to do. You need to constantly be learning. Gnosko, learn, not oida. Okay, yeah, I got it down. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I read it once. That's it. So that's what you do to your wife or husband. I, I, I know his likes and dislikes. Are you telling me the old boy never changes anything? Well, no, I didn't, that didn't come out right. Um, the, the, uh, he, he, Look, believe it or not, my wife told me to tell you this. I don't always just eat bologna sandwiches. Yeah, sometimes I put lettuce on it. No. Uh, <laughs> seriously. You know, a lot of people, their taste changes as you get older. Do you know that? Now, in your case, it doesn't matter what it tastes like. You're going to eat it anyway. So there we go. So she, she knows what gets me upset. Not a warning to write this down, right? She knows what pleases me. Okay, she knows this. You may know this, but here's the big question. When do you apply those things? She knows when to tell me bad news. There's a right time to talk about bad news. You say, is there ever a good time for bad news? No, but it has to be talked about sooner or later. And she's learned how to do that. When to try and prove a point. You think because you have a point to prove, any time's a good time to prove your point. No, it's just pride. You just don't know how to shut up. Did I just say that? Okay, there we go. Now, so this is important. This word also implies appreciation through that knowledge. Appreciation through that knowledge. In other words, the more I learn about my wife, the more I should appreciate her. Okay, watch this. The more you learn about your Bible, is that not the more you understand and appreciate what God is doing? Same application, except to somebody here on this earth. You're supposed to be loving. Okay. Too many people quit learning about God. Too many people quit learning about their mate, and the appreciation and respect shows it. This is why you have to demand people to act a certain way in church. They have no respect for God. You know why? They don't know what goes on with God, what God expects. They just don't know. So now we have parents that go like it, but they're children. They're not hurting anything. Uh, let me tell you something. I really don't care. There's a thing called proper, and that's what we're going to have around here one way or another. I know that little kid means everything to you. He, don't mean, he means a lot to me too. 
it's a, it's a respect. So this word is used in the study and constant learning of God, your mate, and people. Now, we have people in this church. It comes a shock to you. I study people. That's my job. It's what I do. Now, in that, you have to be careful. You go, yeah, I know them. I watch them all the time. Well, if you did, you wouldn't have misjudged them in that area. But you did. You wouldn't have said something you should not have gone. When I go to hear a preacher, for example, I don't go just to hear his message. I, I try to teach these guys this all the time. I said, when you go there, but did you watch how he approached the pulpit? Did you see his antics? Not just the message. When you get so enthroned in a message, your boy just stabbed your daughter and is laughing about it. Wow, that's a really good message. Did you get all that out of that? You're searching for that. Boy, I love that joke. Man, what, he's a good joke teller. You miss the message, and you miss the man. You miss the man. This is about knowing and a constant process of learning people. When I go to watch a guy, the first time I was introduced to this kind of thought was by Gary Mann concerning Dr. Jack Hiles. Went to First Baptist Church, Ham and I told these people about that when we went up there for the servants' conference. And I said, Brother Mann said, now watch this, we were sitting in the middle, and he said, he's going to come out of that side door, this is in the old building. So he'll come out of that side door. He'll walk, he won't even look up. He'll just watch where he's walking. He'll go up the steps. He'll get his seat. He'll turn around. He'll look this way. He'll take his Bible, sit down, cross one leg, and begin to look at his Bible. You won't believe it. Right at the same time, so I've already blown that, uh, he walks right up to the platform, sets down, doesn't look up, sets down, crosses his leg, gets his Bible out, and then when he's ready. And by the way, you know what he said one time? Somebody asked him, you always seem to be writing while you're sitting up there. You know what he said? He said, I'm looking back through my notes, and I'm crossing T's, dotting I's, putting exclamation points, and writing things on the side I want to remember when I'm preaching. So it's not just the message. It's always learning about people. Uh, back in 1987, my wife and I, we went, I think you were with me, we went down to hear a preacher, uh, Dr. Bill Pennell a long, long time ago at a little country church who went down there. I've told you part of this story before. I didn't just go, by the way, I heard the message. The whole message is about building and battling, building and battling. Great message, great message. So I could tell you about the message, and I knew what the title of the message was, and I knew who the messenger was. But what I was interested in was the man. I wanted to know why he does what he does. And so what I did, I kind of watched this whole thing, and when I got done with the whole message, here's what I learned. Battling will make you better if you do not allow it to make you bitter. You know, I got that in 1987. But I'll tell you something else I learned, too. That was the message. That was a quote. Well, I guess we can go home now. No, I wanted to watch the man. And so I'm watching this guy, and after it's done, during the message, he's telling everybody, I've been on the road for over 30 days. I haven't been home. And you could tell he had like a 5 o'clock, about 4.30 shadows on that. Real close to five, not quite five. And uh, he's preaching along, and he said, I, ha I haven't been home for, I'm looking forward to going home, and I'm headed that way tonight. It'll be a long ride. And I thought, oh, man, that's a long time. So I'm listening to this guy describe himself. Like I'm doing now. Are you listening, or are you waiting for me to get back to the message? I'm going to get that message down. A lot of people have notes stacked around the house that much, but they've never learned anything. So I'm watching this guy, and when it's done, all I wanted to, I heard what he had to say. I just wanted to tell him, hey, I appreciate the message, and I like that quote. Thank you very much. I just wanted to walk on about my business. So I'm standing here, and there's one woman in front of me. 
and she's standing there, and uh, I'm trying not to eavesdrop like, you know, people do. You, you walk by and you go like this. It's very noticeable when some of you ladies do that, by the way. Uh, and so uh, I'm standing there, and it couldn't be helped. He's going, isn't that something? Well, that is amazing. You know what she's talking about? He just got through saying, I'm listening to the man. He just got through saying how he hadn't been home, how he's tired, he can't wait to get home, spend some time with the family. She's talking to him about a dog. Not the message, not the church, not God, not the rapture, not the book of Revelation, nothing. Her dog. And he acted like he was so interested, like there was nothing else going on in the world but what she's talking about. And I'm watching this whole thing. The message is done, but I'm now watching the man. It's a constant learning process about people. If you're going to have these great promises, God said, you need to add to your faith virtue and to virtue a constant learning about God, your spouse, and people. You should always be learning about people. So this is something I got from him. But I also had, uh, he had spent some, not some time at home, and I told you about all that. God is simply saying, just in case you like these promises, just in case you really want to see if they're really for you, you have to add these things. And one of these things, and by the way, you have to be diligent about it. Can't be dilly-dallying. That's an English word, I think. I'm not sure what it means. Hope it didn't just cuss. But, uh, and so what he said was, you, you need, come on, you got to get with the program. It's not like, ah, we'll get around to it. No, 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 no. Diligent, diligent. Got to get with it as fast as you can, but you got to do it right. Got to do it right, but let's get with the programs, what you got to do. You got to be diligent in this thing of knowledge, this gnosko, this process of learning about God, this process about learning about people, this process about learning about your mate. We're not learning. We're oida. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I, I, I read the Bible through once. Why do I need to do it again? Constant learning. Constant learning all the time. It's a process. One of the big problems that keeps so many from being used of God, you act as though you know all about humanity. You already got it down. I hate to tell you this. Humanity is humanity, but it's changing. There are so many other things. Now, the Bible never changes. So everything they talk about, you need to know that. Why do people do what they do? Here's the thing. I don't care. See, there's a problem. Oida. Should be gnosko. So you make the same misjudgments because you don't study people. You react the same way. You always accept for you, make exceptions for you, but hold others to the wall. We learned about that in John, right, that the guy wouldn't forgive. We never learn when to speak or when to shut up. See, we're not learning. That's just the way I am. Oida. You should always be in a process of learning about people, about your mate, and about God. To absorb, You have to learn one of these days how to absorb hurt and pain so others can have an opportunity to learn. One of the hardest things you'll ever learn to do, it's not your fault, but you'll take it and hope that they'll learn sooner or later. Or, I know what we'll do, let's just chop off their head now because they're wrong. It would be queen of hearts. Off of their head, off of their head, right? Y'all know? No, and no. Talking to the choir. So, have you ever wondered about people's facial expressions? How about your own? 
can't you spot a bad attitude on a person's face this afternoon? How about your own? My wife told me last night, she goes, honey, you smile, especially when you're mad. And I'll bat my eyes real slow. You know why? I'm annoyed. You didn't know that? I just told you, right? I just ratted on myself. So, so you think you got it all covered, right? See, you're not learning anymore. You're not learning about people. We have a new people come in all the time, and you need to learn them, not for your advantage, but for their advantage, for the cause of Christ. You need the expressions, but, but, but you're quick to judge other people because you're not learning about people on how to help them. You've been striving with the same people for years. You never consider, you never consider, listen very carefully, the spiritual age of a person before you dump knowledge on them. I said the spiritual age, not their size and natural age, not how many years they've been in church. By the way, if you've been watching and paying attention, if you're going to help them, you have to know spiritually about where they're at. Right? Baby Christian, I don't care. I just don't have to do that. Baby Christian or mature? Why? How do you know that? Acts like a baby, right? Pout, miss church all the time, teenager. Inconsistent. Don't know what they want, changing from time to time. Do you have to study people? God said knowledge. Not you have to have knowledge. The type of knowledge he's talking about is the knowledge that applies to people. Humanity. Why do people act the way they do? Why does God do what he does? Why does your spouse you don't know? It doesn't matter anymore. It's we're done. We've learned it all. So this is part of what makes it so you'll never fall. People are a big reason why people fall. The devil uses people. God uses people. So if you know where this person's trying to take you and you understand people, you don't have to stab someone because you found out they did you wrong. But I think we're so insecure. We try to come across like we got it all together. But if we did, why is it people today, you have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, I didn't say it that way. You're, I didn't say that. I can prove it to you. I got it right here. I'll show you exactly. What, what is the big hairy deal? We're that insecure that somebody may actually say, oh, I thought that's what you meant. No, that's not what I meant. I can prove it to you. Who cares? Are we that insecure? You know, here's, a good, here's a good thing to do. Well, preacher, I think you were wrong. Okay. You do know they said that about Jesus too. It'd be terrible to be thought of like Jesus, right? But this is what we do. And so the same thing, we do that to our spouse. People fuss and fight over things, and I'm going, what are you doing? Here, i got a good idea. I'm sorry. Okay. Had a lady one time, came here years ago, and uh, land far, far away, another planet, different kind of thing. And um, four or five light years from now. And she, uh, she and her husband come in for marriage counseling sat down, and again, it always amazes me how that the woman goes, well, preacher was about three weeks ago on a Tuesday, and he starts crying. And she, I said, okay, just a minute, finish. So when it comes to his turn, so first of all, it wasn't on Tuesday, it was Wednesday. It wasn't at 1, it was at 1230. In my head, I'm going, who in the world remembers this stuff? People who want to prove their argument. Nobody else remembers stuff like that. Nobody. Except people who think I may have to use this for ammunition someday. 
That's why I've never understood in a court of law that going like this. Four years ago on September the 28th at 1230, what were you thinking? Are you kidding me? You might as well put me in prison right now. I have no idea what I was thinking. I don't know what I did last weekend. But married couples do. So we got to talking. I said, ma'am, can I just ask you a question? Your husband attends church here real regularly. Oh, yeah. And he, he works, has a job. Oh, yeah. Makes good money. And I said, uh, he comes home every night? Yep, every night. Faithful? Yep, as far as I know. Faithful. And I said, what are you upset about? You ready for this? I just don't think he reads his Bible and prays like he should. She's actually pushing for divorce because he's not 100% what she thinks he ought to be. So when you tell somebody, you know what you ought to do? Without preaching, just live a good life in front of That's not good enough. I hate to tell you this, what God says to do. That's exactly what God says to do. Without the word, maybe one. The worst thing you can do is go home and start bragging on me. Though it's hard not to, I got to. But you got, oh, you should have heard Pastor Bell. Oh, he's the funniest guy. He seems to have an inspiration. Men don't like to hear that stuff. As Brother Usher would say, don't set your sights so high. Thank you, God. Now, anyway, you better learn it's not they did this and they did that and it's not right. Is that the end of your learning about people? Is that what everything hinges on? They did this and they did that and that's not right. That is your total sum of learning about humanity. Is that what you've done? Yes, they did that on purpose and they have no idea what they really act. Why? You know, some people have no idea why they did what they did. They're just reacting. You say, well, there's no excuse for that. Well, evidently there is. They just did it. Why do we have to hold people to the wall and make them prove stuff? Why? Somebody stand up and answer me. Why? Well, you ready? Here's your deal. Because it's right. Why? You sound like a college, like a, like a high school kid. What'd you do that for? Because kind of answers that. So what happened? It's she's acting like a child. So it would not be right. My brother taught me this years ago when we were having it out with another couple. Uh, my wife and some woman. No, me and another woman. Go figure. Me and a woman bumping heads. Go figure. Yeah, I, that never happens. And so we went to my brother, the pastor, and uh, when it was all done, we were having it out. And he said, okay, I'll tell you what we do. By Sunday night, if you two, I, I was on staff. The other guy was a deacon. It was his wife, me, my wife. My wife wasn't in on it. And, and was, okay, honey, I got it. And, uh, and, and all this was going on. He said, if it's not settled by Sunday, you're all done. No more jobs, none, nothing. You're not doing anything here until you get this settled. And I want to know about it by Sunday, and I'll know. But they walked out of the room, and I said, what's wrong with you? This is what you do. You take advantage of relationships, and you shouldn't do that. I said, what's wrong with you? You know she was guilty. You know what he said? I know. I said, then why didn't you straighten her out? He said, can I ask you a question? You want to be a good Christian? Now, there is no right answer for that when you're mad, right? I don't know. This trick question, how long do I have to answer? And I, I just looked at him. Here's what he said. He said, do you expect someone that is that fleshly and carnal and that heated to do one of the most spiritual things a Christian can ever do, and that is to ask for forgiveness? 
He said, that's why I'm asking you to go and ask for forgiveness. I said, I'm not doing it. He said, we'll see by Sunday. I said, we will. And when I started learning more about God, that very night, I opened up my Bible like good hypocrite Christians do when they're mad, finding scripture that proves why they're right and they're wrong. And the more I read, the more convicted God kept saying. And by the way, I found good verses to straighten her out too. Oh, I wish I had written them down. I'm reading them while I got it. Shall I read that? That's her right there. That one right there. God break their jawbones. Oh, God. (laughs) May their posterity never. So I'm praying that way and I'm reading Bible. And I get to uh, Psalm 51. And it opened. And then I understood what my brother meant. I had a guy here on staff years ago and I finally it dawned on me what my brother was trying to teach me 15 years earlier. We're standing at the back door here. He was bringing up this problem. You won't believe what I said to him. You want to be a good Christian? I couldn't believe I said that. And he looked at me and goes, what? I said, I want you to go and ask them to forgive me. You know what he said? You want me to lie? I didn't do anything wrong and you want me to lie. See, this is your reasoning, right? No matter what it may take to help somebody, if you don't look good in it and you can't, you're not going to do it? Really? You mean like Jesus? Like Jesus, right? Guilty and he wasn't. Lied about and they had to make up stuff, right? Looked terrible and none of it was his fault. You'd hate to be that way. I said, I'm not asking you to lie. I'm asking you to go and ask for forgiveness for the relationship's sake. Look what's happened. And I said the same thing. Do you expect them, as hot under the collar as they are, to do something as spiritual? And if you're so right, you should be spiritual enough to go do that, right? And I mean from your heart. Right? Yeah, you're shaking your head and your heart's going, I don't think so. Not right now. That's what I told my brother. I said, no, not going to do it. But I'm glad I did learn that lesson. So, you have to learn... Apology is a very, very tough thing to do. Gnosko, learning, a, it's a process, a generally speaking, generally speaking, is talking about the study of people. So why do so many people, preacher, she had a bad attitude here lately. That's all you got out of it. You go on, you say things like, preacher, she's late for the nursery again. Huh, how'd that get in here? Preacher, she just said something off the wall and, and just walked away. It's not right, preacher. I think somebody should do something about this. And then I tell you part of the problems they're facing in their life. You know what you say? Oh, I didn't know. You know, if you would have studied people and got the whole story before you started going by your feelings. See, it's people we deal with. It's not just a who's right and who's wrong. It's people we deal with. And normally, most people are wrong. All of us are wrong at one time or another. We've got no place in our life for people who do that. Because I never do anything wrong. Right? Wrong. So, what we're doing here is this. Wouldn't it have been nice if you'd have simply thought first, if you'd have got the whole story, 
But then the self-righteous person, even at that point, God gets them. Okay, well, that may be, but they still shouldn't have. That's self-righteousness. You don't care about anybody but your image. I'm not changing the Bible. The woman at the well, the leper, Jesus allowed lepers to touch him. That's weird. That is just against the commandments of Moses. He wasn't concerned about how it made him look. That person needed to be saved. That's all he cared about. By the way, that's why a lot of people gave up their bus routes on the west side of town. Would you give Mr. Cordry time to learn before you kill him? Well, there's a lot going on in that school I just disagree with. Well, there's a lot going on in your life I disagree with. So I'm going to fire you. I'm going to keep him and fire you. Yeah, but we're talking about the school. I'm talking about you. You know, I have all the respect in the world for Mrs. Mullins and, and uh, Mrs. Morris. They were with me all the way back in storefront. Can you imagine all the transitions they had to go through with me? Who said yell real loud? Who said that? But it is true. I look back on it. I can't believe it. Would you be, for Brother Celier, is it frosting you that you've been here all these years and he's already on staff? Is he here? Is he here? No, he's not here. Where's he at? Where's he? Oh, oh, he's leaving already. Okay. Maybe not a lot of people. I don't think anybody here is. If you are, tough deal there. But I have a question for you. Whether you know him or not, you need to learn knowing him. Okay. Very likable guy. I like him. I told him as long as he treats his wife right, he can stay. I told him, I said, Dave, hey, I really like your wife and, and your kids. Never said one word about him. <laughs> you know what he said? I understand. Um, but can I ask you something? Is it not enough that he loves your pastor and that he cares for your pastor and that he wants to do what's right towards your pastor and you in this church? Is that not enough? Could you give him a little space for maybe not doing everything exactly right, like a staff membership? Have you seen the age of our, of our, of our deacons out here? I'm not, if you consider the mental thing, that's way down there. So anyway, if we would study people and get to know them and understand them a little more, not what they did, but why, and can we help? Because you study people. You know, sometimes people in here, they fall asleep. has nothing to do with the length of the sermon. Dan, wake up back there. Uh, and, uh, hey, brother, you did? Wow. Um, if brother Usher can stay awake, you can stay awake. There you go. So, thank you, brother Usher. Now forget where I was going to go with this. God said, just in case you want these promises, they're yours. You can have them. But they're conditions. You can't just do it the way you want. Have to be added exactly right. And we have to know what he's talking about in each one of them. Virtue is not just power. Virtue is a manly quality of doing things excellent. See, that's the way people judge you. People judge you. Okay, man, I think that's a good Christian. I got saved, and now I need to act like a good man should. That's what people see. 
God see it at the heart. Man looks on that with fear. Then I need to add knowledge. Knowledge is the learning of God, my spouse, people. I need to learn that. Why? People people pay attention to that kind of stuff. You should always be learning. Always be learning. Pick yourself up a book. Here's a good one. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. Remember that? Remember where you put yours? Some of you are still in that uh, storage room back there. We collect them. After a while, we're going to start selling them. We just rip your name out of the bottom. You'll never miss it. Down at Temple, they used to gather and people leave books, and I mean good ones. I had a Thompson chain, almost brand new. got for a quarter. Somebody bought a 200 some dollar Bible. I got it for a quarter. You know why? I guess they didn't need to learn anything. You say, but I'm so tired. Tell your spouse that as you're getting a divorce. Mother Eve, we're not getting along. We're just, I'm just tired. That'll go over big. They'll like that a lot. That's good. That's a good one. Why do you get so impatient with people? Because you stop getting to know them. What they do, why people act the way they humanity. Why do people do what they do? This, this is what I do. You say, yeah, but you're the preacher. You're a Christian. Do you know when somebody's getting upset and when to shut up? I mean, just to not tag them on anymore. Don't, don't be like Mike. Don't, don't tag them. Okay? And somebody's going like, yeah, I know what he's talking about, preacher. Okay, anyway. Personally, I like him, but I put his office way down here so I don't have to go up there. Let's all stand and we'll have prayer. Father, thank you so much.